Last Sunday, John Nemers gave us glimpses of hell. This morning, Pastor Kurt will take us on an imaginary trip to heaven, showing us that the, what the future home of believers will be like. His interaction today will be with the angel Gabriel, who Kurt believes to be the angel referenced in Revelation chapter 22. Let me set the stage this morning by reading a few verses from Revelation chapters 21 and 22. Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Revelation chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. This is God's word. Well, think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in glory and finding it home. I'm finally home. Blessed be the Lord God, King of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, giver of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, the Redeemer. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive honor and glory and power, 
For you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Gabriel, it's so good to see you again. I remember the first time I met you. I was astounded at your resplendent glory and light, and I wanted to bow down to worship you, but you forbid it. You said, no, I'm your father's slave, together with all the others who obey the words of this testimony. Worship God. And so I must, and so we must. Gabriel, you're an angel. You're not a human, an archangel. You never sinned. Hence, you've never experienced redemption. But you do rejoice with we humans fallen in sin who come by faith to Jesus. I think of Luke 15, 10. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of heaven over one sinner that repents. That includes me. Thank you, Gabriel, for rejoicing with my redemption. As the angel of Revelation is seen in Revelation 22, escorting John around and giving him a tour of heaven. I'm grateful that you are here to assist me today as well. I remember back to those days on earth before my promotion, as I recognized that my time was drawing near and soon I would pass away. It's as if my spiritual antenna went up and I picked up signals from the other side, from across the great divide. I could see it. I could hear it. I could smell it and taste it and touch it. I could identify with Abraham, who looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And here I am. I found that city, thanks to the grace of God. What a city this is. What a city. This city, four square. It reminds me, Gabriel, of this little glass container I have, which is a cube. It's interesting to me that the most holy place in the temple was a cube, perhaps reflecting the Trinity of God. But same in every direction in its dimensions. And so is the city of God, the new Jerusalem, it is, according to Revelation 21, 1,400 miles in every direction. If I were back in my native America on the first earth, it would be the distance from the border of America with Canada all the way down to the southern border with Mexico. The city would extend from the east, the Appalachian Mountains, all the way across America to the border of California. The city of God is that expansive. And yet there's more because it's 1,400 miles high. At 12 feet per, per story, that represents 600,000 stories. Enough to accommodate billions of people in this place we call heaven. Oh, Jesus, you kept your word. You promised, in my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven's a place. 
And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then he said of himself, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And he answered that way, again, referencing himself by saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father, to this place of heaven, except through me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Glory to God. I stand here today in this city of light. It's so brilliant. There's no darkness here at all. Even though there's no sun or moon, because God himself is the light thereof. And God is light, in him is no darkness at all. His light shines around us and in us and through us. It purifies everything in this sacred place. What a place is heaven. <laughs> Gabriel, thank you for giving me a, a tour early on when I first came, walking me through this city gate. There, there are 12 gates in this city. Each is guarded by an angel. <laughs> There's a lot of you angels around, like billions of you. You're amazing people. You're amazing angels, spirit beings. And you escorted me through a gigantic pearl. The city gate was just one gigantic pearl. And then you escorted me through a wall that was 200 feet thick, comprised of 12 different kinds of precious gems, each glimmering in the sunshine of heaven. And then you led me to the very throne of God from which flowed the river of the water of life, on either side of which was the genre of tree called the tree of life with 12 different kinds of fruit and leaves for the healing of the nations. Oh, I remember the first time I tasted that fruit. It was phenomenal. So delicious, so delightful that the very taste of it startled me for its sweetness. <laughs> and then to drink from this water of life. Wow, it is so wonderful to have. Ah. What refreshment is this water? A picture of Jesus, who's the water of life, the only one who can quench the thirst of the human soul. You were so gracious and so good to give us this water. I remember back on the first earth, after having swum in this particular river here in heaven, I remember back in my ministry in Silverdale, Washington, after serving there 20 years, they honored us by sending us to Hawaii and to the island of Maui. And we were going to go snorkeling, Karen and I, for the first time, and I'd never done that before. I was so excited. We jumped on board a boat chartered by a bunch of people, and we went out to a coral reef, and <laughs> I put on that, that snorkeling gear, and I was so anxious, I jumped in before my wife cared. Whoa! And I couldn't wait to place my face beneath the surface of the Pacific, and so I did. Wow! <laughs> what a kaleidoscope of color I found! A treasury of tropical fish. 
I quickly lifted my face and said, Karen, come quickly, jump into this rainbow sea and delight with me at the creative handiwork of God. She did. We laughed. We rejoiced together. <laughs> that was just a little bit of a foretaste of what I experienced when I first came to heaven. When I saw it, I gasped in amazement and delight. The color, the flora, the fauna, the surround sound. Best of all, I saw the face of God. And he etched his name into my forehead as if to forever identify with me. And now his presence and his power, they pulsate through every fiber of my being. Back on earth in July of 2021, I remember going to one of my favorite places, Lake Ann Camp in Michigan, celebrating with the director, my, my brother-in-law, Ken. I remember sitting in a service and just being moved by what the Spirit of God was doing in the lives of the campers, and I said to him, yeah, this is a little foretaste of heaven, to which he agreed. And then he shared with me something not original with him, but so on target. He said, you know, Kurt, what will make heaven heaven is the absence of sin and the presence of Jesus. <laughs> he was still right. I can't believe it. Not only do I not sin, I can never sin again. <laughs> oh, blessed relief. Glorified. Like Jesus, never again to sin. And then the presence of Jesus. Oh, Jesus is both the goal and the prize of heaven. All the names of Jesus in Revelation. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. He's the root and offspring of David. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And as you taught me, Gabriel, as we walk through this gate, it is only by those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, his sacrificial death and resurrection, that can obtain entrance into the city. It's not by anything we do, but only by what Jesus has done. We trust by faith. Glory to God. Back on earth, I remember my DeGraff relatives, we, we had a custom among the menfolk in our family. We, we would sing a song, an old southern gospel song. It, it was sung at Grandpa DeGraff's funeral and my Uncle Mike's funeral and my dad, Harold DeGraff's funeral. I still remember some of those lyrics. I dreamed of a city called Glory. So bright and so fair. As I entered the gates of that city, the angels all welcomed me there. I saw Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob, Mark, Luke, and Timothy. But I said, I want to see Jesus, the one who died for me. And I bowed on my knees and cried, holy, holy 
holy. I clapped my hands and cried, glory, glory to the Son of God. This is an amazing city, but it's only a part of what lay on the other side of the great divide. I learned that most people on the first earth didn't understand that heaven is more than just one big city. Revelation 21, verse 1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And then coming down out of heaven was this new Jerusalem, this holy city, which became the capital city of this new earth. I was here when the end of time came and God began the chronology of end time events. I watched as God resurrected all the unsaved dead from all of time and they appeared before the judgment bar of God called the judgment, the white, great white throne judgment. And the Bible says, and the books of works were opened. They were all damned by their works. They were not perfect. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And whatever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In a sense, God took that same fire to renovate the first earth, which had been cursed by the fall of man. It's not unlike what happens when a beautiful monarch butterfly emerges from a caterpillar cocoon. It comes out of something old and becomes something brand new. And so it is with the new earth upon which the new Jerusalem descends. You know, it, it, it struck me that if God resurrected our human bodies... Why wouldn't he resurrect our first earth only in a different form, a better form like our new bodies? <laughs> of course he would do that. By the way, these resurrection bodies, they are amazing. <laughs> we all look beautiful. <laughs> we are all ageless. We're all energetic. And we're all limitless. We can get anywhere in just a moment time. Resurrection bodies, when we show up with our families. I, I remember when I got to heaven in resurrection form, I saw my grandpa and my grandma, and I saw my dad and my mom, and I saw my beloved wife, Karen, and I saw my precious children, Jennifer, James, Jason, Julia, their spouses. I saw all 12 of my grandchildren. And, and, then, and then I saw a group of people that somehow I felt like I should know, but I didn't recognize. Who were they standing there in full adult human bodies? And then it was revealed to me, these were the six grandchildren that we thought we'd lost by miscarriage. No, no human being is ever lost in that way. They were resurrected. <laughs> When we discovered who they were, we laughed and we cried and we hugged and celebrated God's goodness in the resurrection. That's my familial family, but there's a much larger family here in heaven and on the new earth. 
Revelation 5 describes them as people of every tribe and language and kindred. Every people group were there. (laughs) And what's interesting, we all spoke the same language. We continue to speak the same language. And we're all a kingdom of priests to our God together in heaven despite the diversity. There's no division. There's no racial bias. There's no strife. There's no war. For our God's name is Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace. What a God we serve. Gabriel, you were so kind to show me something that down deep was in my heart. I always considered myself, though a long-time pastor, really being a country boy at heart. I grew up on an Iowa farm, and I always loved the farm, and I enjoyed the little farm we had in Silverdale, Washington, being a gentleman farmer as well as a pastor, and I kind of hoped for something up in heaven. And you know what? God gave me the desires of my heart, and Gabriel, you showed me. You took me to this massive place on the new earth, thousands of acres, surrounded by a big white fence, (laughs) and this special house this wood structure house in the center with all kinds of animals. There were horses and and sheep and and cattle around this log house. And there, thank God, there in the distance were those mountains I'd fallen in love with in the Northwest so long ago. I saw the Olympics and the Cascades and my heart was drawn back to the time of years ago. And then running through the middle of my property, there's a river that runs through it, and somehow it's connected to that river of water of life in the most holy city at the throne of God. Oh, God is so very good. So very good to me. In this new earth, in the new Jerusalem, this book never loses its power. And we will continue to be instructed in the word of God, which is inexhaustible throughout eternity because our God is inexhaustible. His intelligence is limitless. Our God is infinite and he's transcendent. His name is Yahweh, the great I am. He had no beginning. He has no end. And in his son, Jesus Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We'll learn of him forever. One other thing I learned once I got here is that there is a time of rewards for those who are true believers and have honored the God of their salvation. From the moment they were saved until the moment they were called home, Paul talked about this in in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we, believers, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. There will be an award ceremony for Christians, and they will differ based upon our faithfulness factor. Our motives are extremely important. Why do we do what we do? Is it for the glory of God? And how do we build? Do we build upon the gospel and the word of God? For no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. So here I am, 
thousands of years in this place. Makes me remember the words to the old hymn. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. <laughs> On the first earth, we had often wondered, what in the world will we do through all those thousands, millions, trillions of years? Some of us wondered, will it be just one eternally long church service? I hope not. Are the characters true? Do, do we somehow sprout angel wings and sit on clouds and strum our harps? Boom, 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 boom. Ah, enough with that nonsense. We don't turn into angels. We're glorified human beings who eat and drink and work and play and enjoy all the things we did on the first earth only without the curse. We are going to worship the Lord for sure, but not at any one given location all the time. Remember, there's no temple in heaven. There will be times when we bow before the Lord Jesus Christ at the throne of God and give him praise, but then we will continue with our lives, even as we have on the first earth. But here's the differing aspect. We are going to be constantly in every thought and every word and every action constantly praising the Lord in worship. It, it will flow from the throne and back to the throne. It'll be on the new heaven as well as the new earth, even going out to the stellar heavens and all the stars. Why are there so many billions of galaxies and billions of stars? Why are they so bright? Why are they so distant? The answer is found, as David tells us in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows forth his handiwork. Day to day at our speech, night and night showeth forth Knowledge, there's no speech, there's no language where their voice is not heard. We'll fly to outer space and rejoice with the stars that there is a God who made us and his son's name is Jesus. We'll always celebrate the gospel. We'll never get over the gospel of God's grace. Why is it that God chose us in Christ? What is it about this mystery before the foundation of the world that we Gentiles should be included with Jews in the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Why would he choose me, a sinner such as I am? I'm so grateful to Jesus. Jesus is the lover of my soul. He's the lover of the church. Remember from Revelation 21, 2, the illustration, how the holy city, the new Jerusalem, will come down out of heaven? Like what? Like a bride adorned for her husband? It pictures, in a sense, all of us who are part of that bride, adorned for our husband, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and up in heaven, it's going to be one eternally long marriage supper of the Lamb. A reception that just goes on and on in celebration and rejoicing and feasting and happiness because we are loved by no one less than the Son of God himself forever. Here's what I learned. It is this joy in Christ that will compensate 
for all the trials we experienced on the first earth. That joy will be multiplied exponentially as we reflect upon our sufferings from what we experienced righteously on the first earth. Even as Paul said, consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The question we had on the first earth, when people go to heaven, can they remember bad stuff that happened on the first earth? The answer is yes, at least initially, at least temporarily. Remember Revelation chapter 6 when the tribulation saints martyred by the regime of the Antichrist appear before the throne of God to pray and say, how long, O Lord God, faithful and true, how long before you avenge our blood upon the earth? will make heaven sweet is reflecting on all the sorrow we had before that is now forever behind us. The first earth was full of wickedness. Totalitarian regimes filled with brutality. A pandemic that took away 4.5 million people across the globe. All the other sicknesses and diseases and accidents, the weather events, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the floods, the earthquakes, taking so much human life. As a pastor, in my later years of being a counselor, I had people by the droves come into my office to pour out their heart, brokenhearted, sharing the burden of what had happened to them, and my tears were mingled with theirs. My river became, my office became a river of tears as together we cried over what had happened in their lives. As I look back over the near 50 years of my ministry, I think of the wider scope of all the funerals I conducted, and some of them stand out in my mind for the egregious nature of what had happened and how much pain was involved. I remember the death and then the graveside service of that stillborn child. I remember that little girl who ran out in front of her house, three years of age, into the street, hit by the pickup. I rushed to Virginia Mason Hospital in Seattle only to hear the words from the receptionist, I'm sorry, Pastor, she has expired. I remember those despondents who were so despondent they took their lives into their own hands and committed suicide. And I remember, perhaps worst of all, those two young mothers who were murdered by the men in their lives. The first carrying a baby in utero and the second poor Emily walking out of her house with her three-year-old still in the home, on the sidewalk right in front of her house, her drug-crazed husband shot her in the back and killed her on her 26th birthday. That, you know, was so difficult. So where is the hope in a world that's groaning? Yeah, Paul said we would groan. The whole world groans like a, a woman delivering a child, and, and even we who are believers groan inwardly looking for the redemption of the body. Where is the hope 
Paul spoke of. Here is the hope. Here is the hope. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning. No more crying and no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. For the believer, heaven is the place where all the wrongs are righted and where Jesus gathers all his little flock, his lambs, to forever protect them from any harm ever again. For the true child of God, the best is yet to come. Allow me to come down from my vision to where I belong with you and pray. And if you don't mind, I'd like us to pray in the way they did in Revelation on our knees. Would you please, if you would be so willing, to now to kneel at your chair and join me in prayer. If you can't do it physically, I understand, but would you join me in kneeling before God in prayer? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. But here on earth right now, Lord, we are suffering so much, so much pain and sorrow, so much conflict, so much death and dying. Have mercy on us. Give us comfort for those who are sorrowing today, even with personal problems in their own hearts and homes. Give them hope as they look forward to the future. And Father, for those here who don't know Jesus, oh God, would you convict them that they need to be born again? They need to personally lay aside all self-effort, any kind of trust in good works or church rituals, and put their faith only in the sacrificial death of Jesus and his resurrection. May they identify with the words of Revelation 22. Let the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears, come. And let him who is thirsty come and drink the water of life freely. Help them to do it right now. As we sing, give us hope that one who is worthy is soon going to deliver us. We pray in his name. Amen. Would you please stand together as we sing?